Well, hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the premier amateur radio Linux podcast. In the genre of amateur radio Linux podcast, this is the number one show, Linux in the Ham Shack. Welcome once again. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and sitting quietly over there in the corner, uh, trying to recover from a bout of, bout of uh, hamvention in Dayton, Ohio, is Russ, K5TUX, if I didn't murder the call sign again. How you doing, Russ? I'm doing quite well, thank you very much. And yes, I am. I think I have officially wound down from Hamvention, having come back from there over a week ago now. So I'm sitting in my usual spot in Studio One and between the peaks in the pine forest of North Central Arkansas. It's been pretty nice here today, actually. A little bit, a little bit on the toasty side, which means Dallas must be really warm. Well, we're recording right now at uh, eight forty-one p.m. local time. That would be something else, Zulu. And uh, it's currently 86 degrees outside. So, Well, it's still yeah. a very uh, balmy 79 here, and I, I don't know what the humidity is, but I know it's up there. Let me see. Is my little thing going to tell me uh, what the humidity is? You know what? It's not. So I don't know what the humidity is, but it's hot. That's how I know that Russ is a real amateur radio operator, because if he gets a chance to tell you what the weather is, he's going to tell you. That's right. The weather weather is very interesting. Cheryl got me a weather station for Christmas last year. Not last year, the year before. And it sits on my night table so I can get up in the morning and see the outdoor temperature and humidity before I see anything else. Wow. I know. That's that's really stupid, but I love it. Now now you have to do is hook it up to the APRS. It's not one of those, unfortunately. But I would like to. Uh, Davis Instruments was at Hamvention, of course, and I took a look at their uh, weather gear, which is something I would love to have one of these days when I can afford it. See how easy it is to fall right off the track. We need to say some hellos while we're th- while I'm thinking about it. We'd like to say hello to Lisa, Misha, and William Campbell. Hello, everybody, all of y'all out there, and we'd also like to say hello to our friends in the UK, in the UK, because apparently there's more folks listening to us over there because, uh, about every day or so I get two or three new people with, uh, doggone it calls from, uh, call signs from over there. Now I've just messed us all up having a rest cause you was in the middle of a thought. No, not really. But what are you talking about? Where do you get these call signs from the UK? Oh, uh, Twitter. They, they, friend, they signing up on Twitter for me. Are they not signing up on Twitter for you? Oh, yeah, I forgot your identical-only guy. No, I do Twitter, but apparently they're not signing up on Twitter for me. Apparently they only want to listen to your tweets. Well, I don't tweet. About the only thing I tweet anymore is when there's a show being recorded. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty bad about that myself. I, I need to fix that. But that's okay. And y'all, y'all while, I'm th- while we're thinking about it, y'all, uh, y'all stay tuned because... Next episode or two, Russ is going to tell us all about the wonderful Dayton Hamvention. Of course, he's got some other crap to go to, too. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, we'll probably get to that in the announcements toward the end. I I don't have a lot from Hamvention, unfortunately, just sort of personal recollections because we were so busy this year. We were actually in a part of the Hamvention arena that was a lot busier than where we were last year. So we didn't really have time to do much of anything except talk to folks. We we were inundated pretty much every minute. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And even Cheryl expresses a like for the visit to the ham, ham engine. Uh, emoticons, they're a great thing. Okay, so uh, what else? Have we got anything coming up? I don't know that we do. I haven't sent a tacky letter to the guy from Texas uh, Linux Fest yet. I did find out one interesting thing about the Texas Linux Fest this year, and that is from somebody who was at Hamvention told me that Texas Linux Fest and Belton were on the same weekend. Well, that solves a lot of problems. Well, it might, assuming they didn't overlap time-wise. Well, it's kind of like this. Belton starts early in the morning, early, early, early. And uh, from Belton to Austin, which I think is where they're having it, 
from Belton to Austin, it's only about an hour's drive. So if somebody was ambitious, they could be at Belton early, be out of there by nine or 10 o'clock and be in Austin probably by 10 or by 11 or 12 o'clock. And then they'd only miss half the day. Of course, then again, if you're some of those new guys uh, to Linux and uh, really want to try and uh, get some help as far as your Linuxicity, don't bother with Texas Linux Fest. Now, why do you say that? Well, I got to looking at the at the program list, and I saw probably one thing on there that might be helpful to someone new to Linux. The rest of it looks like a Linux uh, system admin get together. So y'all go over and take a look at that. I might have to take a look at that myself. I was yeah. planning on going to the Texas Linux Fest at some point. Now, that would probably appeal to me because that's sort of what I do. Exactly. But, you know, if it doesn't attract newbies in any way, then what's the point, really? It, it really, as far as I can tell by the program list, the it's not going to. And actually, I said I didn't write a tacky email. I just remembered I did write a tacky email. And uh, it said something to the effect of, well, um, uh, it's nice to hear you guys are having it again, but... Uh, I really don't see anything on the program list that might be appealing to somebody new to the Linux operating system. Now, I want to send them another one asking them why, since most of the information technology stuff in the state of Texas is in Dallas, Texas, instead of Austin, Texas, why they don't have it up here. But I haven't gotten to that yet. That's just because you're a homebody and you don't want to leave the Dallas area. Oh, I'd love to leave the Dallas area if I could afford it. Well, maybe the idea behind Texas Linux Fest is that every other Linux Fest is catering to newbies and they just want to be system administrator type people. Well, that doesn't matter because next year, everybody who wants, who's a newbie who wants to learn about Linux can come to MagnetCon. MagnetCon, or maybe even better, we'll, we'll try and put one together in Arkansas or in Southern Oklahoma. Southern no, Oklahoma. No one knows where those places are. Oh, everybody knows where the casino is in Durant. <laughs> I know where the bingo hall is in Durant. It's yeah, right on the reservation. But we don't want everybody hanging out at the bingo hall. We want everybody paying attention about Linux. We can like bingo and Linux at the same time. Let me tell you, they have bingo now on machines, just like slot machines. It's amazing. Amazing to watch. You're on the reservation, so you're not exactly in the United States. And you, you just get sloshed and hang out with the Indians and just have a great time. Do you have to have a passport? Do. No. Okay. And I can say Indian because my heritage. So y'all, y'all, anybody got a tacky email they want to write? You need to send that to hate mail. No, you send it to love mail at Linux in dot info. Love mail at Linux in dot info. Oh, that's okay. Cheryl's Indian. I can't, I can never remember what the percentage is or what the, the fraction is. I want to say it's quarter, quarter Cherokee. She'll, she'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say she's 25% Cherokee. She says the humidity is 75%. Well, see, there's the other 75%, 75% human, 25% Cherokee. Ah, see, I decided that Brenda's 100% bored today. Bored. Okay. Bored. You know, like Jean-Luc Picard, Star Trek, that kind of board. Oh, watching rerun type board? Well, no, she's like like this piece of technology hanging out the side of her head all the time. Yeah. And if she decides she wants something, resistance is futile. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. I've been practicing. That was a pretty. <laughs> that was a pretty good take. <laughs> been practicing. See, Cheryl even spelt it right. Yep. Okay, so you had some stuff in the Etherpad, but let me uh, mention that we will be at the Southeast Linux Fest next weekend. That's not yeah, not not the weekend like four days from now, but the one after that, June tenth through the twelfth. June 10th through the 12th in Spartanburg, wherever the hell it is. Uh, Y'all go see everybody down at the Southeast Linux Fest. 
I want pictures of Chad Wallenberg making a, making a butt out of himself because he's had too much to drink. I want pictures of Russ doing stuff he ain't supposed to. I want to see uh, pictures of Cheryl smiling and having a great time. Uh, and everybody go seek out Dave Yates and shake his hand because that is the man. If it wasn't for him, there wouldn't be a Southeast Linux fest. Y'all go on down and I'm going to let Russ finish. Yeah. Spartanburg, wherever the hell it is. And, um, I'm going to let Russ finish. Cause I keep cutting him off. Oh, that's okay. Spartanburg, South Carolina, June 10th through the 12th. Linux in the ham shack will be there without Richard as always. Oh my. <laughs> Exactly. But we'll be there, and we want to see everybody there who can get there. I know South Carolina is kind of out of the way for a lot of you, but if you can be there, we'd like to see you. So, anyway, that's Southeast Linux Fest. That's right. And we have a couple of other events coming up. We're going to do Ham Fest in Huntsville, Alabama. We're going to do Ohio Linux Fest. And I don't know what all besides that, but we got things going on. And go to the website, lhspodcast.info, and you'll find out all about it there. And Russ and Cheryl will be guest stars at the Texoma Hammerama. Texoma Hammerama. Y'all go see the Texoma Hammerama. Is that actually a real thing? It is a real thing, believe it or not. No, I I believe it. Uh, Is that something we should go to? Is it something we should go to? Maybe you should go to? Actually, I need to go up there because I, I, I promised Henry, can't even remember his last name now, <laughs> uh, W5. Your good friend, Henry. Uh, Henry Allen. Henry Allen. Okay. I promised Henry and his wife that, um, that well, last time I saw him in Belton, which was last year, that I would come up that way and visit and go around and glad hand some people and everything else. For those of y'all that don't know Henry Allen, Henry Allen is like the guy that built the original uh, Texas bug catcher antenna. And uh, he and his wife and some friends and stuff, they uh, they put together a ham fest up around the Lake Texoma area, right on the border of Texas and Oklahoma, and it's called the Texoma Hammerama. We will get to, I will get the information, dates and stuff like that. For those of y'all listening to us up on the res or even in the Sherman, Gainesville, Denton metro area and uh, where the weather is. Well, Cheryl, hey. Cheryl looked it up for you. It's Texoma org, Right. Yep. And it's on October 21st and 22nd this year. Told you it was in the fall. That's right. And I'll tell y'all what, uh, the Texas, you know, we got that big ARRL, what they call it, division convention, Hamcom up in Plano, Texas in June. And it's uh, giant vendor time up there and, there are lots of uh, flea market type tables and stuff like that. And they, they do put on some decent programs and everything else. But if you want to see what a Texas ham fest is about, you need to go to the Texoma Hammerama or Belton or uh, uh, Summerfest down in Austin. Or uh, there was another one that was, used to be really good. I can't remember what it was now, but I remember it. And when we do, we're just like Mike Bapisa. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd like to take this Richard breakdown moment to stress that all of the people who listen to our show who are more Linux enthusiasts than ham radio folks should try and go to these events because you might be interested in the things you hear and the things you see. There's all kinds of technology that shows up at these things and they're of interest to geeks of every walk of life. So you should, you should check out a ham fest if you've never been to one. In fact, half the, uh, half, uh, hadn't been that long ago when uh, they were doing high speed multimedia over, uh, uh, 802.11 B connection, 802.11 B now. But they were uh, actually networking using standard home network routers and that kind of stuff, uh, using laptops and things like that to work public service events and bike rides and stuff like that, kind of disaster communication kind of things. Russ is right. All you guys that are more Linuxy than radio-y, 
you ought to try a ham benching. If you can get past the hairy women and the guys with no teeth, you're in good shape. Plus, you can tell off all the windows, guys. Yeah, because there's a lot of them. Yeah, you'll find a lot of them there. Make sure you have wear your T-shirt that says Ham Radio Deluxe Sucks. <laughs> and Radio Deluxe Sucks. And then when, they, when they're just about to hit you in the eye, you look them in the eye and say, what does God need with a starship? Oh, yes, it's Star Trek time on Linux and the Ham Shack. There's already a podcast or maybe more than one dedicated to Star Trek. So let's not go down that road. Star Trek in the Ham Shack? Linux in the Star Trek. I was I was informed by somebody in the chat room that Russ has one story that he can tell us from Dayton right now. Russ, tell us about the spewing toilets at the Hamvention. The spewing toilets was kind of an interesting thing. Unfortunately, most of our information was third hand. We didn't actually get to see it. But at some point on Saturday, long about lunchtime, the sewer system, the you know, whatever you want to call it at the Hera Arena, decided to have a massive failure. Apparently, there was a geyser in one of the restrooms in either the North Hall or the East Hall. I don't remember which one. There was a huge leak of raw sewage out into the flea market. Now, I didn't go out looking for it, but it was there. And they actually had the bathrooms, all the bathrooms except for two in the entire arena. And if you've ever been to the Hare Arena, you know how big that is. They were all closed down except for two of them for the however many thousands of people were there. It took them all day Saturday, basically, to clean it up. Uh, I heard it was bad out in the flea market. And I don't know how many people were affected by it, but. It, it was pretty bad. They did manage to get it cleaned up by Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening, just before uh, it was time to go. So we were all able to go back on Sunday and enjoy ourselves. But uh, that that was a new one. Pretty interesting event for our second hamvention. That would have been interesting. Now, if it had been at any ham fest I had ever been to, I would have immediately grabbed a water hose, walked out into the flea market area, found the two older guys with bad teeth, scruffy beards, mashed in ball caps and stained shirts and hosed them down. That probably would have covered the fragrance. No, we didn't get to see it. Like I said, I didn't walk outside to the flea market at all this year and I didn't do it last year either. I saw everything inside, but not outside, but everybody who walked by the booth had a story about it and it was getting bigger and bigger and you know it was one of those fish tails and it was a whopper by the end so we're not really sure what happened but we know a lot of people were involved and uh at least one person got the worst of it you know i won't go into it any more than that (laughs) (laughs) drinking from the fire hose all right got it (laughs) <laughs> okay, so let's move on. Try and get some content into this this episode. Um, I I was playing with an idea the other day and started typing away into where we put our show notes and stuff, so we kind of know what to talk about when we're doing the show. Um, I think we need to talk about this. Some. Let let me let me tell y'all the story, and then we'll we'll move on into it. Um, my son. Uh, is about 25 years old. Well, the youngest boy is about 25 years old. He's trying to get himself a computer business started. Now, he's fallen in love with Linux. He is a reasonably decent user of that other operating system we don't talk about. Well, we talk about it. But the fact of the matter is he's, uh, he's trying to get this thing going. And he received a call from a young lady who was wanting him to fix a sound issue on her laptop a Sony bio when, um, he and she and I all finally got together because he's got me doing all the work, you know, all of you that have kids know how this works. And, um, anyway, when the three of us finally got together in one place, what I found out is that the Sony bio was dual boot windows seven and Ubuntu 1104. The best part was since the young lady was from Czechoslovakia, the language set up on the machine was Czech. I do not read Czech. The closest I get 
to, to be in Czechoslovakia or having anything to do with that is when I drive down to the, the small city of West, uh, in between here in Waco, Texas, so I can go to the Czech bakery down there. Anyway, she was complaining that the sound wasn't working on the Ubuntu side. It was working on the Windows side, but not the Ubuntu side. She said that uh, she hated Windows and would like to get it working in Ubuntu. Young lady's name was Misha. And uh, after working on the machine for a while, we figured out that the Pulse Audio was the problem. Now, my son got it, took it back to his place, uh, swapped out the pulse audio for also, and it worked just like it's supposed to. Now, uh, some of you out there might be wondering what pulse audio is. You guys been using Linux for a while. Okay. But you newer guys, there's several different types of audio architecture things going on with Linux. And it hadn't been too terribly long ago that a lot of the more popular distros start switching over to pulse audio. And according to their website, Pulse Audio is a sound system for POSIX OSs, meaning that it is a proxy for your sound applications. It allows you to do advanced operations on your sound data as it passes between your application and your hardware. Things like transferring the audio to a different machine, changing the sample rate or channel count, and mixing several sounds, Blah, 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 as Russ likes to say, uh, <laughs> which is not in the notes, but now he can make the comment because I said that about him last show, I think. And uh, anyway, so what we ended up doing is going out, or my boy ended up doing, is he went out, researched it a little bit, and figured out that there were, uh, was a place out there where he could go uh, get the information to do the swap out. Pretty simple. Oh, he found it in the Ubuntu forums. So uh, y'all check the show notes and the link to that particular issue will be available in the show notes over at the website, lhspodcast.info, lhspodcast.info. And I know y'all y'all don't understand why I say it so much. I just love the sound of it. and It's fun to say. But in the process of this, I got to researching a little more. And the Sony Vio laptop is not the only is not the only computer that has a problem with this. There's been lots of different computers, different hardware that's been having problems with the Pulse Audio. I've also found that some of the major distributions that in just a minor search on the internet that have had problems with our issues with the sound working properly using pulse audio is of course Ubuntu. And then there's Fedora open 11 or higher. That means one of the point, whatever's arch Linux Zen Sabian. Okay. I'm sure there's a lot of other ones out there, but and it really doesn't matter whether you're using KD or GNOME. They both have a problem, have a problem on some systems. Now, y'all might be wondering why we're talking about this on Linux and Hamshacker while I'm talking about it while Russ sits over in his chair and shakes his head. Oh, my. Anyway, the, the reason is because of any piece of hardware in your computer as an amateur radio operator, chances are the one you depend on most is your sound card. And I'll tell you the problem she was having. She had no main audio on the speakers of her laptop. When she plugged in a set of headphones, what she got was very low volume that was extremely scratchy. And when the pulse was replaced, it worked absolutely the way it was supposed to. Now, once again, go ahead and check the link. When you get a chance, go to the show notes, get the link, go over there and check it. And now I'm going to let the man who really knows about this stuff talk about this stuff. Russ, what do you got? Well, I want to go back to the beginning of the story a little bit and find out <clears throat> when you when you looked at this laptop or when your son looked at this laptop, whichever, it, I guess it was both of you, right? Sort of. Sort of. Okay. So what made you think that you needed to replace Pulse Audio with ALSA? 
Well, when we when we got to researching it, and it's like her her laptop was sitting in here on his lap, and I was sitting here at the main machine, and we were trying to find a solution for it. What kept coming up is that the simplest way to make it work, and every place that we landed agreed that it was just easier to get rid of the pulse and bring in the also. So we found a place that had the information on that and went ahead and did it. And it worked just fine for them. Yeah, I y'all, see you've got y'all, 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 let me do the disclaimer. that They were no funds exchanged on this operation. It was a pro bono word of mouth job. I see you've got the link where you found the information on how to get rid of pulse audio and swap it out with ALSA. And you say that worked just fine for, for that particular uh, situation you were looking at. Right. Was that article the also the one that indicated that all these other distributions like Fedora and Arch and OpenSUSE 11 and up and all that had the same, the same issue? No, actually, that was when I started going out and researching for this show. Uh, it didn't take much of a search for me to find out that, at the very least, these uh, distros were having that having a similar problem on some hardware. Well, I find that interesting because I'm not sure that the issue is the software, in other words, the distribution or the hardware itself. Were they, were they all um, similar kinds of hardware or was it just, I mean, you, you mentioned the Sony VAIO, but were these distributions on Sony VAIOs or other stuff too? No, these were on other other types of hardware also. In fact, I can't cite any at the moment, but... The VAIO, I moved completely away from the VAIO and went out and did a search for audio problems with, uh, what was it, audio problems with Pulse Audio and the distributions that came up with the most hits in that particular search were the ones that are listed in the show notes, Ubuntu, Fedora, SUSE, Arch, Zen, and Sabian. The thing that's interesting to me about this is that it didn't work at all. I mean, I've been a huge detractor over the years of Linux audio in general because it's always been a mess and it's always been a pain. People say that Pulse Audio is probably the worst of it, although it is getting better as time goes on. Support for various cards is getting better. Being able to pass sound applications through Pulse Audio is working better. And I think fewer and fewer people are having to do things like switch back to ESD or ALSA in order to get their sound to work. It's it's interesting to me that there are still problems with Pulse Audio, particularly because it's supposed to be pretty much plug and play. And if ALSA works on some particular hard piece of hardware with some particular distribution, then Pulse Audio really ought to be able to, too. Since I've switched back to Linux Mint and gotten away from Ubuntu, I haven't really had any problems with Pulse Audio. Things have been working pretty well for me. The real problem I've had with Pulse Audio of late is getting it to work with applications that use Wine. Because Wine is one of those things where the back-end audio tends to work with uh, ALSA or ESD. And when you have an application that is trying to run under Wine in a Linux distribution that has Pulse Audio as the sound server, as opposed to ALSA, for example, it can be difficult to get it to work. Now, ALSA is supposed to, like, feed its inputs. If ALSA is running and an application that's running under Wine accesses ALSA and your base system, your sound server, is actually Pulse Audio, Pulse Audio is supposed to pick up on the fact that that audio input is coming into ALSA and it's supposed to handle it properly. But I found, for example, using the Windows version of Echolink, that that doesn't work right. Sometimes you can get the ALSA audio to pass through Pulse Audio just fine. Sometimes you can't. Now, there's a version of Wine that comes with Pulse Audio support built in. And I had this working on my machine when I was running Ubuntu 10.04 or 10.10, whatever it was. When I upgraded to Linux Mint, I went to go ahead and do this again now I can't find that version of Wine that has Pulse Audio support. So I'm kind of dead in the water as far as that goes. And we've had some previous discussion about SVX Link and, and other Echo Link stuff that I haven't gotten around to trying. So I, you know, I'm kind of stuck right now. As far as Pulse Audio in general, 
my understanding is that it's getting better. And like I said, I, I'm one of Linux Audio's biggest attractors. I still don't think it's very good, but I do think it's improving. And the fact that Pulse Audio is still coming across with these issues is interesting to me. Now, I'm running Linux Mint, and all of my Linux machines right now have Pulse Audio on them, and they're all working just great. So this is good. But, of course, I don't have a Sony VAIO, and I'm not running Ubuntu, Fedora, OpenSUSE 11, Arzen, or Sebaon. You're the one who wrote this stuff down. I'm just reading it back. There you go. And I'm not sure if I was actually going anywhere with any of that or... I don't know. And uh, I've had problems with Pulse Audio. Now, y'all don't get me wrong out there, okay? If we didn't do this show and the other show didn't get done occasionally, I would be like most of y'all. I would use my sound card to listen to my music or audiobooks or podcasts, or I would use it to do digital on HF or something like that. And it really wouldn't be a big deal for me. But some of you guys may want to do more. Some of you guys may have an issue that won't let you run, I don't know, PSK31 or RIDI or JT65 or whatever you want to do with your sound card. It's my understanding from Ted over that uh, some of uh, his programs for, for doing digital run just fine with Pulse Audio. And it this appeared to be a hardware issue Possibly it just wasn't lacking the pulse because when we switched it over to something else, it started working just like it was supposed to. Did that give you enough time to regroup? I guess so. The thing is, I'm I'm just thinking about pulse audio in general and what it does, and it's not like there are there are kernel modules in in the Linux kernel for pulse audio for things like you know Bluetooth. If you have a Bluetooth device that runs like A2DP and you want to pipe that audio into Pulse Audio, you have to load a kernel module and stuff like that. But when it comes to an actual piece of hardware, that hardware, the audio driver is actually powered by another Linux kernel. It, does, it sort of really sits outside of Pulse Audio, and that hardware abstraction is handled by a different part of the kernel. The fact that it doesn't interact with Pulse Audio but does with ALSA doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me but then i can't claim to be the guru of linux audio so i don't know why that's an issue i didn't say it was an issue well it's not an issue now because you got it taken care of you just switched to also and away it went but it seems to me like there should have been a way to fix it inside of pulse audio do you do you happen to know what linux kernel 11.04 runs uh no and you have to understand that the woman was very nervous, so she was standing up in my business the whole time we were getting this taken care of, care of for her. So it had to be kind of done quickly because we weren't going to be able to take any real time and dig into it. Otherwise, we might have found another solution. But uh, as far as the kernel that was running on 11.04, I'm not real sure what it was i've only seen a couple of kernel updates come through since it came out so it couldn't be too far back from where we are right now yeah it's probably 2.6.38 or some somewhere in there and you know that seems like it'd be more than more than new enough to handle a sony vio or whatever but uh, at least there's a way to fix it you know if nothing else we can pass on the information that you can uh, retrofit your system with ALSA if, if that's the only thing that takes care of it. One thing I have discovered over time is that while I didn't like Pulse Audio when it first came out and I thought the configuration was stupid and that things were hard to deal with and ALSA was just easier because you type like the ALSA CFG command and picked your sound card and everything just kind of worked. It seems like now that I've gotten used to Pulse Audio, I don't really like ALSA anymore. It seems a little clunkier, uh, not really put together as well. And Pulse Audio seems to work more of the time. While I don't think it's perfect by any means, I think it is coming along. Um, and there are some things that you can do with Pulse Audio, particularly in Ubuntu and Debian distributions, to help you kind of debug your Pulse Audio. If you're trying to look a little deeper into your Pulse Audio sound settings, if you're running the GNOME desktop, or presumably the KDE desktop, there is 
in your menu bar or perhaps in your menus a way to look at your general sound settings. If you, like in GNOME, if you single click on the speaker icon, you can set your master volume level. Pretty straightforward stuff. If you right click on it, you can mute your master volume or you can open a sound preferences panel. This allows you to do several different things. It shows you what hardware is being detected by the Pulse Audio sound server. And this, of course, presumes that you're using Pulse Audio in the first place, which I think for the uh, sake of this bit of discussion, we're going to assume that's what's going on. If you click on the hardware tab, you'll see what devices are being powered, if you will, by Pulse Audio or what are being detected by Pulse Audio. You can select from various different input and output profiles from a drop-down menu. Uh, pick the one that actually matches your input and output setup. For example, if you have an input like a microphone and an output like speaker or headphones, you'll want to pick stereo duplex. If you have multiplexing output like Dolby Surround 5.1, 6.1, 7.1, you'll want to select that if your sound card supports it, etc. Then for the input, you may only have one input device, or you may have several. If you have a line in, you'll want to select that. If you have a mic in, you'll want to select that. Uh, and you do want to select those, even if they're the same port, because they do run at different impedances. Microphones have a much higher impedance than a line input, uh, so you do want to set those properly or it may be difficult to set your input volume levels. And Pulse Audio nicely provides some VU meters so you can see the levels of your input and output. Well, not output, at least not in the base configuration. But uh, you can see your input volume on a VU meter. Under the output tab, you select the appropriate one. Usually it's just the, the, the standard output without an amplifier if that's even an option. Otherwise, analog out or digital out, depending on what your sound card supports. If you look in the Applications tab, you can actually see what applications are running on your system that are accessing the Pulse Audio sound server. If there's nothing there, that means no application is actually using Pulse Audio. Now, if there's an application that's running that you think should be using Pulse Audio, it should show up here. If it doesn't, then you either have an application that doesn't work with Pulse Audio or is not working correctly to send its audio output to Pulse Audio. And at that point, you need to go into some deeper configuration or deeper debugging, which is kind of where I'm going to. Any questions from uh, from that part of the woods right now? No, all the peanuts are resting quietly. Well, that's good to hear. And the chat room has also gotten very quiet. Everybody is listening raptly, apparently. We're going to wrap them and wake them up. <laughs> One of the things that I did when I was trying to debug my problems with wine and using Pulse Audio was found some utilities that help you look a little more into the internals of Pulse Audio. The first one of these utilities is called PA Man, the Pulse Audio Manager utility. And you can do an apt-get install PA Man. Papa Alpha Mike Alpha November. If you do that, and then you start up PA Man, I don't actually remember if any of these come with a placeholder in the menu. So I don't know if you can actually drop down your GNOME menu and find these in your uh, sound and video, but you may be able to. But well, if you, you you can put them in if you need them in there. Well, right. If it doesn't do it by default, you can always go into your menu and add them. If that doesn't happen either, and if you're too lazy to do that, then you can just open up a terminal and type PA man. And that is a package all by itself. I don't remember if it's a dependency of the Pulse Audio server or not, but if it, if it isn't, you can just go ahead and install it afterwards. When you look at the Pulse Audio Manager, it will give you a lot of information about your Pulse Audio server, uh, like version numbers, what kind of audio is being supported, your host name, what devices are supported, etc. And there's a button for statistics, which will actually show you things like how much data has passed through your Pulse Audio server and stuff like that. And if you see a bunch of zeros there, you know you've got some issues. Under the Devices tab, you can see 
what are called sinks and sources. Sinks are actually like sub interfaces for audio devices. In other words, you can have multiple streams going through a particular sync, uh, and however many audio streams are playing through your Pulse Audio Manager will show up under the sinks. So if you open up an application, for example, a web browser, and you start playing some audio, a sync should show up under your output device, and you should hear some audio. And if that doesn't happen, you know you have a problem with Pulse Audio or with the application that's trying to access it. Now, your sources will show you what input and output devices are available to you. It's just a little bit lower level. It actually shows you PCI device names and stuff like that. So it's not quite as pretty to look at, but you, sh you should get the idea of what you're looking at. Now, under the Clients tab... That is any client that is accessing your Pulse Audio server, whether it's playing sound or not. If there's something that's talking to Pulse Audio, you'll see it listed there. So if you're playing something, or if you have an application that's supposed to be playing something through Pulse Audio and it doesn't show up there, obviously you have some kind of an issue. Under the modules, you'll see what loadable modules have been loaded into your Pulse Audio server, which will basically tell you what kind of sound your Pulse Audio server can handle. Now, in my particular case, I see things like ALSA and eSound. So that means that any device that would normally be sending audio to something like OSS or ALSA should be automatically redirected to Pulse Audio, and it should just go ahead and work. And then on mine, uh, there's a sample cache dropdown, which is grayed out, so I'm not actually sure what that does. With me so far? Uh-huh. Okay. Are you looking at this along with me, or are you just kind of off in la-la land? No, I'm looking. Oh, you're looking. Okay. Good deal. I think. So that's the PA Man. It doesn't actually help you fix anything, but what it does is show you a pretty low-level view of your Pulse Audio server, and it gets you down into what applications and what devices are being accessed by sound, so you're able to tell whether something that should be making sounds is or isn't. So the next one, the next utility, which you can apt get as well, is called PA Preps. Papa Alpha Papa, Romeo Echo, Foxtrot Sierra. Now this one is for serious users of Pulse Audio. Again, this doesn't really fix anything, but what it does is allow you to do things with Pulse Audio that the average user probably would never do. Things like connect Pulse Audio servers from different machines to each other, make your Pulse Audio server visible to other machines, kind of like a Bluetooth device would be visible to other Bluetooth devices, allow you to send sound from one server to another uh, via TCP IP, allow multicast routing of audio, and even set up things like Jack, which allow you to create virtual devices so that you can send sound to more than one output device at a time. So that's some pretty um, robust stuff you can do with Pulse Audio. And I don't believe ALSA had the ability to do any of those things. ALSA was a self-contained system, and OSS was, it well, was as well, where you can only have sound from your local machine. Uh, you can only have it going into and out of one device at a time. If you had more than one device, you could have it. You could have sound going to more than one device. But I'm not sure you could route the same sound to multiple devices at the same time. Pulse Audio allows you to do all of this kind of stuff, uh, so it's so it's very robust system. So there's another utility you can look at called PAVU Control, Papa Alpha Victor Uniform Control. This one can actually help you fix some stuff. Again, this this is kind of like the access you have via your little speaker icon in the menu, but it's at a much higher level, or a much lower level, I guess you would call it, where you can actually see every application that is supposed to be accessing your Pulse Audio system, whether or not it's playing sounds, your recording devices, your output devices, and you can actually set your volume levels, 
you can uh, do it per channel. You can set your volume levels per channel on input devices, and you can reconfigure in a similar way to your other application, your other uh, GNOME applet, whether you want uh, surround sound, Dolby Digital, duplex audio, et cetera, et cetera. This will let you know for a fact if your application that you want to play sound is actually doing what it's supposed to do. If it doesn't show up here, you're having some issues. And then there's the one, let's see. Let me jump back to PA Man a bit because I forgot something about it that's very important. When, when you're loading up PA Man, I was talking about the sources and the syncs. If you look at one of the syncs, for example, or one of the sources, let's say you pick the input source. Let's say you're, um, you have a sound card interface from your ham radio that's going into the line input of your, out, of your pulse audio device, and you want to set the level on that. Well, you can do that with your, you can do that with your applet, your GNOME applet, but you can do it much with much finer detail here in the PA man. If you go under devices, find your input source, it'll be input.pci something, something, something. And you either click on it and select properties down at the lower right or double click on it. You'll get a lot of information about the input device, who owns it, how much latency there is, 16 bit audio, how many channels, bit rates, etc. And then there's a volume level there. And you can see that this volume level has much more granularity in it than the one that you normally use. Now I had to use this to fix my echo link problem because I couldn't tell how much volume I was actually getting as an input from my radio. So in order to fix that, I clicked on the show volume meter. It popped up a VU meter, showed me exactly how much audio was coming in and I could set my volume accordingly. And that was a great way to do that so that I wasn't getting overmodulation from my rig and that will work with any input sound device you can also double click on the sinks you can uh, check who owns the sink what application is connecting to your sound server you can even set the volume for that particular access to your pulse audio server so if you just want to change the volume on that one application you can do it through the PA man and that can help you out in a lot of cases. So, does that make any sense? Yes. All right. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> You're lying to me, aren't you? No. No. I'm, I'm learning all kinds of stuff. Okay. And then there's a couple of uh, ones that don't do quite as much, but they might be useful to you in some situations. There's one called PAVU Meter, Papa Alpha Victor Uniform Meter which does basically what it sounds like. It creates a window that has a VU meter in it. And if you have audio going through your system, it'll play little bars that bounce back and forth, uh, left to right. It's a horizontal VU meter that dances to your audio. So you can see how much volume is going through your sound server. Pretty straightforward, nothing big there. Uh, the P There's another one that comes in the Pulse Audio-Utils package. You can also app get that, which is PAMON. And I don't actually know what PA Mon does. It actually monitors your sound server, but I think it does it with like text output or it actually, it will actually display the bits, the audio bits coming through the, the DSP, the digital signal processor, as the binary characters that are going through pulse audio. So I'm not sure how useful that is unless you're capturing it to a package to replay later. And that might be useful to somebody, but it's not particularly useful to me. But what is useful is PADSP. This is like similar utilities in older sound servers where you could actually use PADSP to pipe the audio from an application that doesn't understand pulse audio through pulse audio. In other words, you type PADSP space and then your application. And if that application has access to some other audio device like OSS or ALSA and doesn't understand pulse audio at all, 
that will redirect the output from that application directly to the Pulse Audio Digital Signal Processor, PADSP, so that it will play properly through Pulse Audio. And that can help you out in a lot of cases if you have an older application that doesn't, you know, understand Pulse Audio. Some newer applications that don't really work well with Pulse Audio will work properly if you use PADSP. And, of course, you can uh, get the man page on all of these things that I've talked about by doing man, PADSP, PA man, PAVU control, etc., etc., etc. You can get all the information you need about these different pulse audio utilities. So if you're having sound problems on a pulse audio-based system, try some of these out and see if they work for you. I think that's about all I had. What Ted says that he still needs to open also make sure to unmute his uh, line in. That's what he says. I do see that comment in the chat room. The only problem I have here is I need to open an also mixer, unmute the line in. That's from Ted, W-A-0-E-I-R. Um, Ted, have you tried PA Man and looked to see that the sync actually has the audio level unmuted and set to something other than 0% because you might be able to do that with the application and not use the awesome mixer. While we're waiting for him to answer that question, you have anything else? Questions about well, I, what I said? I, or? Well, since we brought up Ted, I was just going to make sure everybody go over to http colon stroke stroke wa0eir.home.mchsi.com and check out some of the stuff he's got over there. Uh, Ted's been like programming up good stuff for a long time, and uh, some of this stuff is available in the package uh, repositories on most Linux distributions. I'm not going to say all of them because if I said all of them, I'd be wrong. However, go on over and check his stuff out uh, because Ted's got some pretty good stuff, and this will run in a lot smaller footprint than uh, the one we suggest most often. So the stuff. Um, well, he he runs stuff a little more lower level using GTK, I believe, than uh, the Fastlight Toolkit, which is yeah. a little higher footprint. But he said he's also working to get a lot of his stuff to be Pulse Audio compatible. So that's good news for those of us running pulse audio and if y'all need the link for the for ted's website again it'll be in the show notes ted was answering you yes i see that he answered me he said i can't find that control under pulse audio you'll have to check sometime so like i said if you use some of those things that i just talked about pa prefs pa man specifically you can have a lot more control over your pulse audio server than you can with the basic audio manager that comes in GNOME. So you might want to try some of those utilities. Everybody else should try them too. If nothing else, you can play with the funky VU meter that will dance to your audio. I like dancing VU meters. Yeah, VU meters are cool. It breaks my heart when the one on Audacity is not working right. Because sometimes it don't. Mine are working great. I see lots of little red dancing stuff, and uh, my, my levels are coming out at about minus three, so I'm perfect. Of course, it hasn't been like that in a long time. All of something is now. Oh, I think Ted is saying that all of his applications are now Pulse Audio compatible. Oh, yes, and he's, he said earlier that he had, let me find it. He, he's also updated us with a newer URL, apparently. It's WA0EIR dot ham dot org i don't know if that's a pointer to the mediacom site or not but everybody go to wa0eir dot ham dot org yeah somebody write that down before we forget i bet bill will i don't know he's been slacking no bill's not a slacker sometimes uh ted said earlier that uh he's removed all the also also oss code and replaced it with pa uh, lab calls. Okay, so everybody who still uses started typing a bunch of stuff that is Japanese to me, and I went on about something else. Uh, in response to your earlier question, Ubuntu eleven oh four is running two point six point three eight point eight. Right. Why has it got to have so many numbers behind it? Lots of subversions. Lots of development going on in the two six thirty eight, and I guess two six thirty nine kernel. 
So everybody who's running Ted's programs who uses ALSA or OSS, you're SOL. You've got to upgrade to Pulse Audio or use old versions of the software. Okay. So is anybody in the chat room got any questions about Pulse Audio? Since I was apparently a bad boy and did the wrong thing at Lady's computer, but she wasn't paying for it, so I, I'm, I don't feel guilty. Oh, no, I think you did exactly the right thing. You use what well, works, whether it's Pulse Audio or ALSA. It doesn't make any difference to me. Well, you know, you average it, and that was the thing in my mind, especially since I was being pressed. I hate people standing over me when I'm doing stuff, is that your average, everyday, standard user is not going to know the difference. Well, and as long as it just works, no, they aren't. She's a she's a Linux lover. I'm not sure why she still has the Windows Seven on there. She, I think she told me, but I don't remember what it what the reason was. Probably the same reason I still have a Windows version running over here in the shack. Oh my God! You should have told her that her audio didn't work because she had to remove Windows Seven. Oh now. <laughs> You know, doggone good and well, we both keep preaching. If we're done, why don't we wrap it up? And then we can chit chat with the audience and all that good stuff. And by the way, thanks to everybody who's in the audience tonight, who's in the chat room with us. We had quite a nice turnout. So maybe next time you could be with us too. And I'm looking at you and you and you, particularly you, definitely you. Yes. With that, we've probably rambled on, carried on, and everything else. And no matter how bad the live recording sessions are, Russ always makes them sound really, really wonderful. So my name is Richard, KB5JBV. And if you would like to contact me, you can contact me at KB5JBV at, oh, well, let's do the other one, LHSpodcast.info. KB5JBV at LHSpodcast.info or follow me on the social networks. I'm available at Facebook, Twitter, Identica, Plaxo, Plurk, all just everything because I went and signed up for everything a few months back just so I can make sure the word got out on all the shows. Or you can, uh, I don't know, uh, I think I did everything. So let me give it to Russ because I'm starting to get a little confused. All right, we'll keep it for the end there. Start thinking about your thing that you're going to say when I say, because Richard says, and then you say your thing. So this is Russ, K5TUX, live to tape, or MB3, or, oh, I'm sorry, live to AUG from between the peaks in the pine forest of north central Arkansas. You can find me on all the relevant social networks out there on the Internet using J.R. Woodman, or I'm also K5TUX, at 73s.org. I'm also K5 Kilo Foxtrot India Victor Echo on IRC. And uh, you can leave us a comment at the website, lhspodcast.info. You can call us up and leave us a voicemail at 417 200 4811. You can send me an email at k5tux at lhspodcast.info. Or you can use info at lhspodcast.info to send an email to the both of us. And Bill is hate mail and love mail at lhspodcast.info, and he likes email from you just as much as we would. So we got things coming up, we got things going on, but we're about to wrap up the show. This is number 60 of Linux in the Ham Shack. So thanks everybody for coming out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks. And we may even catch you at a live event. So I guess that's all for me up here in North Central Arkansas. So I'm going to send it back down to Dallas, Texas, where Richard is going to say, This is KB5JBV, and I broke the freaking ether pad. We'll see you all next time.